Another great episode of Red Sea Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you hear, please go to our website, redsearadio.org, and donate to our apostolate, or even become a member of our Immaculata Recurring Gift Society and keep us on the air. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Welcome to Roundup, everybody. On this Wednesday, May 10th, I'm Maria Sotolongo, your host. Today, I'm also the Director of Development and Admission at St. Joseph Catholic School here in Bryan. What a pleasure to be with you today. A little rainy out here on our end of the world. We are going to be talking to author and businessman Bill Yo in just a little bit. We are thrilled to be able to talk to him about his book titled Unvarnished Faith. And we are going to hear what he has to say about a mission trip that he took to Nicaragua and how that inspired him to write this book. What a, a very interesting man he is. So we're just thrilled to do that. You are listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio, KEDC 88.5 FM in the Brazos Valley, KYAR 98.3 FM in Central Texas, and KINF 107.9 FM in Palestine. You can call us if you'd like at 85 Love Red Sea. That is 855. 855- Six eight three seven three three two. Again, thank you for joining us. We have got a full house here. If you could see what I see, <laughs> you would see a computer with Mr. Bill Yo standing by to talk to us in about ten minutes or so. Then to my left, you would see Mr. Bill Maka. Then uh, you would see Bill. I called him Bill. Dennis. Dennis. It's Bill and then Dennis. And then you could Dennis. Call me Ray. Dennis looks at me and he's like, "What?" And <laughs> then I thought it. I said something wrong. So Dennis Maka. And then we've got Evan. Evan, have you talked on the air yet? Okay, he's talked on the air. It's Yes, they'll bring me over here. <laughs> it's the yes, first I've time. Been, I've been introduced. Okay, but first time I officially meet him in person. And of course, Caleb is over here on my right. So it's a full house. Are we excited, we gentlemen? We're very excited, pumped. Very, very happy to have. Evan is our director of marketing here for Red Sea Apostolate. And Caleb is our director of radio and media. So there you go. Titles are important, or are they, guys? I mean, that's kind of what we go by in this and world. And other duties as assigned. And there you go. That's and the many other part. hats. Uh, <laughs> we will also be talking to Bill about that many hats that he wears. Did you see in his uh, webpage that he is also the manager of a mini golf course? So I want to find out about that. Sure. We'll talk about his book, but then the many <laughs> other thrilling aspects of his life. But uh, before we get to Mr. Bill Yo, we also want to talk about some events that are taking place here mm-hmm. in our community. We've got parish festivals. We've got some exciting Red Sea and Ablaze family retreats that we'll be talking about and a lot right. more. Right, Dennis? That is correct. So I want to first invite people to no longer save the date, but to actively register now. We already have our first registrants that have come across uh, the the vine for our annual family retreat that's in partnership with Ablaze Ministries. This one's going to be in Central Texas at St. just outside of St. Louis Parish, located at Riker Catholic High School and St. Louis Parish. That will be on July 29th, which is a Saturday. Go to our webpage now at redcradio.org. That's red, the letter c, radio.org forward slash family retreat. 
and you could read all about it. It's going to be an incredible time with a lot of families. They're hoping to have about a hundred plus 130 families there this year. Um, it's going to be a full house and we've yes. already, w- when you're getting registrations already, you know, three months in advance, that's saying something because oh, yeah. families don't typically commit that far in advance. So that's it's going to be a full house. So if you want to go now to redsearadio.org forward slash family retreat, sign up your entire family for only $50 per no family. Way. That's yeah. great. That includes multiple meals, multiple talks, multiple breakout sessions, opportunities to work with your family group um, and with other family groups. And then there is a a nice dining time for the, the parents uh, at the end of the day as well. But all of that's included. So you can't, this is basically, we're taking a loss by putting on this mm-hmm. family retreat, um, sure. but it's not a loss. It's a financial uh, commitment that we have for Red Sea to families to keep it at $50. If you're a single person, you're also Welcome to come, $25 for an individual registration as well. Amazing. And it, it all balances out, right? So uh, it the, does. the cost versus the reward. Uh, this is, is part of our ministry. It's certainly amazing. Wonderful. All right. So, Dennis, we also have, um, and Caleb, we're going to talk about the parish festivals. I know at St. Joseph, uh, things are getting all pumped up and ready uh, for a, just a fabulous festival this weekend. And we also have St. Anthony's festival that is taking place this weekend. So I know a lot of our community uh, is going to be excited to attend Mm -hmm. uh, both of those or either of of those festivals. Yep. I'm a prisoner at St. Anthony's. Uh, The rest of you guys are are prisoners at St. Joseph's, I believe. And so I'm very excited. I hope the weather holds up well for that. Um, It held up very nicely for St. Mary's Festival in Waco recently. And Mm -hmm. so we're, we're hoping for that. It should be better. Uh, a bit than of it, blessing. Yes, than it is today. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we will uh, continue to pray for good weather, good attendance uh, for both St. Anthony and uh, St. Joseph festivals. There's going to be great food and mm-hmm. uh, music and fellowship and games for the kids. So that is always a really um, a highlight of our year in our parishes. So hopefully you all are listening and you will plan on attending and you can go to the respective websites for St. Anthony, Anthony Catholic Church uh-huh. and St. Joseph Catholic Church in here in Bryan to find out more information. We also wanted to talk to you about podcasts. Caleb, you've got info about that. Sure. We've got some great podcasts. Um, a lot of our listeners don't know, but if you go to our website at redsearadio.org slash podcast, we've got Shoulder to Shoulder with Pam Marvin and Megan Silas. We've got The Joy of Medicine with Trey Cashin and his father, Dr. Richard Cashin, who's a cardiologist for 55 years. Uh, we've got uh, Mystery of Parenthood. We've got Restorative Justice. We've got Versalalto. Uh, we've got some great stuff on we've there. We've got this show. Yes. We've got Roundup. We we post Roundup on there. So uh, get over to our website. Make sure you're listening. If you miss part of Roundup, if you uh, miss part of Mystery of Parenthood, you can find those episodes online at redsearadio.org slash podcast. Make sure you uh, like it. Leave us a rating. Follow us. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. But We've got some great stuff. A new episode of Joy of Medicine comes out tomorrow. A new episode of Shoulder to Shoulder comes out Friday. And, um, you know, obviously I was here listening to them record and they're great episodes. So make sure you look for that. Very nice. 
Do you want me to cover this? Yes, please. We are so excited. Uh, we are talking about Riker Catholic High School, St. Joseph Catholic High Schools are both in our listening area. And uh, first ever scholarships have been are going to be given out. Yesterday, we gave out one at Riker Catholic High School to a, a very uh, worthy recipient and Paige Battinger, Battinger, sorry, Paige. Nice. Um, we're so happy that uh, she and uh, others have applied for that scholarship. The scholarship is a $500 Red Sea Catholic Radio slash Victory Sports youth scholarship for Catholic athletes, for those that are involved in their Catholic schools, athletic programs. We're doing this as a way to give back because as you know, we broadcast uh, football games at mm -hmm. both Riker Catholic High School and St. Joseph Catholic High School each year. And we have underwriting that we we get from that to be able to put that on. And we want to roll that back into the athletic programs at each of those respective schools. So congratulations to Paige Battinger, and I want to congratulate Coleman Gorganus. Outstanding. You know Coleman Gorganus, yes, yeah, from Gorganus. St. Joe's. Exactly. Uh, Coleman is the recipient for our other scholarship, uh, and uh, that's here at St. Joseph. He will be given that next week as well. So right. want to congratulate those two student athletes and encourage those that are juniors this next year to apply and apply early because it is an incredible way to talk about how athletics and your faith have guided you and formed you as a young person and where you want to take that for your future. So congratulations again, Coleman and to Paige. And thank you to everybody that has made this possible at Red Sea Radio. This if, is fantastic. If you have a business and you want to underwrite with Red Sea Catholic Radio, you can go to our webpage for general underwriting, but also we... Take in uh, football-specific underwriters every year. We get a lot of airtime mm -hmm. about your business and about uh, what you provide, and we thank you quite a bit for yes. all your support for Red Sea Catholic Radio and the ability for us to bring these incredible football games and the entire season to uh, to our listeners. Amen. All right. Well, we have just about maybe four minutes before yep. we get to talking to uh, Bill Yo. Um, we remind you, you can call in if you'd like. And again, that number is 85-LOVE-RED-C. That comes out to be 855-683-7332. Outstanding. And real quick, the saint of the day, I have to plug that in because I know we talked about it. Where are we going to do it? And I lied, Dennis. So please forgive me. I had looked at that this morning as I try to do every Great. morning. What do you have? And so... I forgot that I did this. That tells you the kind of day. But um, I do have my cheat sheet here. And why do I love this saint of the day, uh, the feast day of San Juan de Avila? Because I am from Spain. I was born in Madrid. <laughs> and so, I mean, I might be a little biased to the saints from Spain. Not really. You know, we all have our favorite saints. But St. John of Avila. Uh, he was born to a wealthy family. He thought he wanted to study law. And then eventually he felt the calling to um, go into just the full-time ministry mm -hmm. of, of God. He, and uh, he actually re-evangelized a region in Spain called Andalusia, yep. which was uh, previously ruled by the Moors. So his love of God and his just fire and his Holy Spirit kind of induced, uh, again, love of, of our faith is what was able to to move hundreds, if not thousands of, of people in Spain. And um, one of the quotes that I love about him that I think is pretty, 
um, relevant to what we're going to be talking about today with Bill and that we often talk about at Red Sea Radio um, and in all our ministries, turn yourself around like a piece of clay and say to the Lord, I am clay and you, Lord, the potter, make of me what you will. So that is St. John of Avila, today's feast day. And uh, how appropriate will that be, right? That we he all... Was, he was the sole heir to his parents' fortune, which they had some money, mm-hmm. and he gave it all distributed to the poor. Amen. That's amazing to think about doing that these days. And um, I, I just can't imagine. But it said also that he is uh, friends with, or was friends with, St. Ignatius of Loyola, mm-hmm. uh, St. Teresa of Avila. Oh, yeah. He was spiritual director to yeah. Santa Teresa of Avila and yeah. uh, uh, among others. So what a what an important and just beautiful journey of faith, and that is also why I love what we do here because we get to talk to people, um, not just to each other, which we do all the time off the air, mm-hmm. but about our faith, our journey um, towards getting closer to God, to Jesus, and to hearing His will, not our own will. Uh, again, Bill Yo will be talking a lot to us about that and uh, and a lot more, Dennis. And part of that is. Educating the family, and that's in our mission statement. It's we're it's in the name for Red Sea Religious mm-hmm. Education for the Domestic Church. It's all about teaching the family, and so passing on the faith to our young ones, mm-hmm. and uh, really growing in the faith as parents and spouses is mm-hmm. critical. Uh, and it's not done mm-hmm. significant. It's we're in need of catechists. Uh, and catechesis, Amen. and we're in need of spreading the faith. And, mm-hmm. and any time that Red Sea can be a resource to families, we want to do that. So that's why it's great to to read about saints of the day and mm-hmm. to uh, understand where others went before us and uh, to take courage that we can do the same. Exactly. I always tell my kids, you know, they are examples of of what we can do, you know, and and uh, and sometimes it is hard or it sounds easy to be a saint. Just follow the <laughs> commandments, you know, just do your best every day. I tell my kids, but, uh, but it's not as, as easy as it sounds, but we certainly can all unite and um, help each other along this journey with our families, with our communities. So again, we are just uh, beyond blessed to, in just about a minute, talk to Bill Yo. So hopefully you are going to grab a cup of coffee, run and do something that you need to do and come right back right here on Red Sea Radio so we can continue our show. Stay tuned through our website, redsearadio.org. Go to uh, download our apps from your app store or your Google Play store. You can listen online anywhere at any time through those apps. So if the reception sometimes goes bad on days like this where it's overcast, uh, then you can always listen on your app. So stay tuned for the second part of Red Sea Roundup coming up. Right after this. Thanks for listening to part one of Red Sea Roundup. Part two is just around the corner. You can find additional Catholic podcasts and resources at redsearadio.org, as well as a page to leave your prayer requests. If you feel called, please consider donating to our apostolate so we can continue creating entertaining and educational Catholic content for all to enjoy. Thank you and God bless. Now back to Red Sea Roundup.
Welcome back, everybody. Hope you've stretched your legs. Uh, you got that cup of coffee or the drink of your choice. And we are ready to spend about 40 minutes talking to Bill Yo, businessman, wordsmith, motivator, life learner, husband, father, son. There are many titles that uh, describe Mr. Bill Yo. Good morning. Thank you so much for being with us, Bill. Hi, Maria. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks so much. And so how do you describe yourself, Bill, when people ask you, what do you do? Uh, how do you describe your, your uh, career, your, your title? Sure. Now, it's a, a great question. There's a lot of different things. But I, I certainly always start with, you know, I'm a, I'm a husband, a father, and a person of faith. I mean, those are the things that really most define who I am. And then I, I really I, I have the opportunity to be involved in a number of different things. Um, you know, my my brothers and I are third generation owners of a of a 120 year old family business, and uh, I'm I'm an engaged owner. I'm not as much an active manager uh, as I had been at one point, but still very much engaged in the the goings on and the success and continuity of that business. And then uh, I'm able to be involved in a number of other advisory boards and startups and smaller businesses. Uh, my wife and I also own a small seasonal business, which uh, uh, takes, you know, it's a really interesting, fun thing to be involved with. And so what is this seasonal uh, business though, Bill? You leave it a little open-ended there. So I have to inquire, sure. so, what is it? So this seasonal business is that we actually own a miniature golf course. Ah, uh, there it, it is. Okay. Yes. We own it in a vacation town uh, in New Jersey called Avalon. Okay. Um, where where both Kel, my wife Kelly and I have been vacationing our entire lives, and uh, so yeah, nice. so we're coming on year five of uh, owning a mini golf course. So and how did that come the, uh, about? I have to also ask. <laughs> I always love those little side businesses, maybe sure, that sometimes are, sure. are just a, 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 a hobby. Or what? Why did right. that come about? Well, well, keep in mind the first term I used to describe myself was husband. So ah. uh, about five five years ago, when when uh, <laughs> Kelly saw that the business was for sale, and we knew the people who were selling it. Um, she said, I think we should buy it. I said, okay. I think we shouldn't buy it. So we compromised <laughs> and we bought it. Okay. Um, so, Happy uh, wife, yeah, right? So Happy life. That's the key to uh, rounding up, coming up on 26 years of marriage soon. But uh, Amen. No, we, we both love this community and, and uh, you know, miniature golf. I imagine most, if not all of your listeners have played. It's just, it says yes. vacation, it says joy, it says families. Uh, and so I, I'm, I do all the maintenance of the course. And Wow. There's nothing I love more than when I'm fixing something and you hear behind me some young boy or girl shouting, you know, mommy, 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 I got a hole in one. And, uh, <laughs> you know, just bringing joy to people's lives. So. That's great, right? The simple things in life. Uh, and I know, Bill, that you have said before that marriage is the ultimate manifestation of God's love. Uh, to steal that from one of your podcasts or, or, or something, that's your quote, right? And I, I mm -hmm. so agree with that because... Myself, having been married 27 years, um, I know that it is a challenge every day and uh, it is a joy every day. And it is certainly sometimes the cross uh, that, that we bear. But, uh, but what a gift to be able to do that and see it as such. You know, sometimes I look at my husband and I go, OK, I'm going to imagine that that is Jesus. I am serving Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, right. and that way I can, I can walk with Jesus. How do you see um, maybe that, your marriage, as the manifestation of God's love? Sure. No, and a, a great question and a really important one. And, um, you know, we're ultimately uh, taught that, you know, God is love and we are called to love God and we're called to love neighbors as we love ourselves. You know, that that is obviously the first and second greatest commandment that that is, you know, everything that we as believers are, are called to do. And I really have just the more I've committed to my faith and the more I have really made 
you know, the faith sort of the central trunk of everything I do, the more I've recognized that it's the love in my marriage that that embodies that more than any. Um, and, and in, you know, the love for my children certainly mm-hmm. is, is, is as deep as it can be. But sure. uh, as I put in the dedication for uh, for my book, um, you know, to Kelly, I, I call it the simplicity and the profundity of God's mm-hmm. love. So there's just a very simple, visceral sense of love and connection and attraction uh, that's there. But then the profundity side is just the infinite, fa- infinitely facetedness of the relationship mm, and nice. uh, as an embodiment of the infinitely facetedness of God. And so mm. it's just something that that the more I've been connected to my faith, the more I recognize the privilege and gift that mm. the love of marriage is. Amen. With, as you said, with all, with all its challenges and its yes. warts and its frustrations that I know I, I create more mm. than I, than I experience. So. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is an interesting dance of, uh, of, of spending and saying yes, every morning, every day, even, even am- amongst the challenges that marriage uh, can, can bring us. But it's also such a, a college, a university of that, of love. And you focus so much uh, on your book on, on varnished faith, but also just in general about love relationships, connections, and, um, and, and where God wants you to be. I don't know about you, Bill, but but personally, I think sometimes the older I get, the more certainty I feel or the more I hear God's clarity in in internally, right, um, of where I'm supposed to be. And sometimes that doesn't make sense to the external world or maybe it, it doesn't even make sense to my own mother, my family, my friends, but I just know this is where God wants me how how does how does that resonate with you or how does god speak to you in a way that you know you have to write this book you know you have to go to nicaragua right no it's a, again a great a great topic and 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 two things on that you know first that you know ultimately i do believe that through the life of jesus and through the gospel message we're all bestowed with unique talents and gifts and those, and we nurture and hone those talents and gifts over our lives and we're all ultimately called to discern what those unique talents and gifts are and deploy those talents and gifts to help others, particularly the less fortunate. And so as I've been in this sort of lifelong period of discernment, and it's really kind of taken a lot more focus in the last several years, I have this toggle, what mm-hmm. I call a toggle between revelation and discernment, revelation and discernment. God reveals, I discern. God mm-hmm. reveals, I discern. And and I admittedly, uh, I miss. I'm sure the vast majority of the revelation that's before me, Mm. but when I'm able to pick up on it, whether it's some tiny little God wink or Mm. whether it's some big giant, obvious, you know, uh, you know, big spotlight bill walk this way. um, The more I can do those things, the more it comes up. And so the, the, the term I've been using Mm. for it a lot lately is the term of surrender. And, you know, the, the whole idea that sort of the the paradigm of surrender is weakness. It's acquiescence. It's, it's Mm. a, term of war, a term of athletics, mm-hmm. a term of relationship. And, but, you know, the reality is what's really showing up for me mm-hmm. a lot, particularly lately is, is actually the term of surrendering your life to the way and to God is, is an incredibly enriching and fulfilling way. And mm-hmm. so even as I make decisions about, you know, what different activities to get involved with, what, mm-hmm. what businesses or ventures to gauge, what interviews to participate in, what books to write, as you said, mm-hmm. um, if I'm discerning that it's the will of God to do these things, like a hundred percent of the time it comes out to say, wow, this has been a really worthwhile endeavor. It's something I've grown from. Mm, That's uh, yeah. That's so, so well uh, put. I love, and I had to take notes of all of this, uh, Bill, you have this toggle kind of uh, that, that visual is just extremely helpful 
uh, between God revealing and us discerning. And um, does it, do you think it gets a little bit more clear the older you get? Or did you always have this in place when you were younger? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think it gets more clear. Well, well, first of all, for me, it's gotten more clear the older I've gotten. I was I was raised in a Christian family. We were raised actually Episcopalian, so I was a lifelong Protestant until just a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I would say religion and God was a part of my life. It wasn't sort of a, a you know the central part of my mm-hmm. life. It was kind of that one hour a week attending church and like sure. a lot of mainstream Protestant traditions. We, we we took most of the summers off, and but it wasn't uh, anything that was you know, particularly regularly happening. Um, and then really everything changed pretty dramatically in my life eight years ago when my mom passed away uh, after a, a long illness. And it was incredibly sad when she sure. passed as it would be for anyone dying. But but it was also incredibly beautiful because um, there was this beautiful mm-hmm. sunset, this this early summer sunset streaming through the, the large window next to her bed. Um, we were all gathered around her, holding her hands, holding her arms. Mm-hmm. And we knew at the moment that, her pain and suffering ended. And and what mm-hmm. happened for me very personally in that moment was I knew at the moment that she went to God mm-hmm. and God pushed on my chest, literally physically pushed on my chest in that mm-hmm. moment. And I was so overcome with emotion. And, and even at the time I was aware that, wow, I'm really sad, but there's something else going sure. on. And in hindsight, I've, I've <clears throat> been able to sort of unpack that a little more and recognizing mm-hmm. the significant changes in my life from a professional perspective, from a personal perspective, from a mm-hmm. physical perspective that all really originated, uh, in that moment. Yeah. Oh, you move me, um, you know, uh, tremendously. Thank you for sharing that bill because it is sometimes in those moments of literal life and death that God so loudly or silently, right. Can speak to us. And, um, uh, you know, my, so my father passed away six years ago and I had the honor and the huge blessing to be with him. And, um, and it's true what you say, you just, you just see there is something so much bigger than us. And you know, interestingly, what my father yearned for so much, literally the, the weeks before his passing was that he was thirsty. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, my sisters and my brothers and I couldn't bring him water cold enough to like quench his thirst. And it wasn't until my sister who is, you know, a a tremendously devout believer. And she said, you know, let's pray divine chaplet. My father would receive every day, you know, devout Catholic. And, and it was in that moment that we both, we we just kind of said, he is thirsting for God. He is ready for God's glory. He, he is thirsting for so much more than water than we could ever provide him. And so what a beautiful moment. And, um, and and that you share that, I just so much relate. And I'm sure people listening to us uh, this morning can also relate to these profound moments of silence, sometimes in birth or in death or in those moments mm-hmm. of the of the in between. Right. So. Right. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, what what a beautiful story. Um, I know you also make an interesting point about being both an uppercase. C and a lowercase C Catholic. Um, what does that mean for those that might not understand? Sure. Yeah. And this is kind of my personal, uh, <clears throat> my personal interpretation of what unvarnished faith is. So as I said, I was a lifelong Episcopalian. Uh, Kelly, who I married, was a lifelong Roman Catholic. Her, her uh, you know, full, full Catholic schooling. Her uncle was a priest uh, who, who married us, baptized our children. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's since sadly passed away, our, our Uncle Frank. But um, 
I, you know, I felt the call to to convert to Catholicism four mm-hmm. or five years ago, and it's just been an amazing journey since then. Mm-hmm. But what I've really recognized is, uh, you know, I'm very committed to my Roman Catholic faith. That'd be the uppercase C Catholic, and okay. to the ideals of the Catholic Church, to the institution of the Catholic Church. You know, shortcomings and challenges at all, and I'm sure we'll get into some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel equally called towards an ecumenical and even an interfaith lens of what belief and what faith are. And that's for okay. lowercase c, because Catholic and a lowercase word is universal. We mm-hmm. say in the creed, one holy Catholic and apostolic church, one holy sure. universal and apostolic church. So the ideals that transcend denominational and doctrinal lines, to me, mm-hmm. are far more profound, far more important, far mm-hmm. more universal than than the things that would define one denomination from another. And I think mm-hmm. like a lot of our like a lot of different lenses within society, whether it's secular or faith-based, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're compelled to spend so much time on the relatively few things that differentiate us as opposed sure. to the huge swaths of commonality that we have all being created in the image of God. Yeah, I mean, I always uh, begin relationships mentally, and then if I have the chance to say it, of course I'll say it, but you know that that we have so much more in common than than we have that that is unlike each other as human beings, as nations, as religions, as whatever it might be. But we're going to talk a little bit uh, about division in, in, in a little bit, not, not quite yet, but I, I do also love your take on that and how um, the media, social media or the medium of that news, et cetera, sometimes works to divide us. Right. But, but in our Catholic faith, specifically you converting to the Catholic faith, what was it then that drew you um, that that certainty then that you you wanted to in fact become a Catholic? What was that like for sure. you? Sure, no, um, and and it was a you know really pivotal moment in my life, and and you know this was all in the aftermath of my mom passing away, mm-hmm. and I started to do mission work, and um, you know starting to engage in small groups and fellowship and Bible study and different things, and and just taking my faith more seriously. And it's really neat because if I look back on it. There were about a half dozen different events over maybe six months that 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 happened mm. that you know God put in my way and and it started the first one was uh, worshiping down in Avalon at our at our vacation community at the Catholic Church down there with Kelly okay. and I noticed there was an older couple who lived on my parents' street um, who were Eucharistic ministers for the Mass mm-hmm. and I just had this thought of like look at that you know these folks are in their 80s and here they are worshiping and serving together like and I walked out right. of Mass thinking. That'd be cool. I'm not in a mm-hmm. position to be able to do that with Kelly, but that would be kind of neat. And then I had a few other conversations and several different things happened. And I really started to think, wow, this could be you know, something else. And sure. well, I was sharing this with uh, folks in a fellowship group that I started. And uh, one of them said, you know, that's great. That would help your family and everything else. But where do you feel closest to God? That's mm-hmm. really what you need to, to, to ultimately discern. And it was a wonderful, a wonderful challenge from a lifelong friend of mine. Actually, he's now my my stepbrother, and oh. kind of a cool sequence of events. <laughs> okay, but so I so I went to I went to Catholic mass by myself for the first time, hmm. and the connection with God. I'm getting goosebumps right now with the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. just thinking about it. The connection to God in that service was amazing because for my whole wow. life, the Catholic mass had been very sort of monochromatic to me. Mm-hmm. It, it seemed I I didn't appreciate the the, the the scripture in it. I didn't appreciate mm-hmm. the mysticism and the spirituality in it. Um, how Bible-based it is. I was just kind sure. of like, God, look at these masses going through the motion. And and all of a sudden now I had this almost a, an epiphany or a total 180 where, mm. wait, you're telling me I could walk into virtually any Catholic mass anywhere in the world and mm-hmm. worship similarly and know what's going on and, and know that 
you know, the, these churches are packed, you know, 12 months of the year and, yes. and people are so loyal and faithful and it's such a part of their lives. And it just, the mass and the mm. liturgy came alive for me in a way it never had. And, and um, now I also came into the church, you know, in my late forties mm. with my eyes wide open. Um, in fact, the, the week that I met with our pastor uh, was, was a week where a grand jury in Pennsylvania had released sort of the latest mm. atrocities of, of, of sexual assault and cover-up within the church. And so it was kind of everybody was sort of heading for the exits as I'm lining up at the entrance. But but even Mm -hmm. that, it was God using me in some tiny little way to do that. And But I'm an institutionalist, whether it's family business, whether it's family, whether it's other things, community things that, and the institution of the Catholic church with, with, you know, it's, it's, it's shortcomings and, and, and downsides as any institution has. Um, the, the billions of people mm-hmm. the Catholic Church has brought to faith over millennia is, right. is not even rivaled by the 30-some thousand different other denominations there are. Mm-hmm. And, and really today, I heard a quote recently that, that um, you know, no other, no other organization in the world feeds more people, heals more people, and educates more people on a daily basis than the Catholic Church. So right. um, those things very compel me. So both at mm-hmm. an institutional level and at an individual relationship level, it's just where I feel most connected now. Well, amen. Um, you know, the, the, who wrote the book, if anybody knows, cause I, I forget, but it, it, it's, it's something like the 7%, uh, the seven, uh, is it Matthew Kelly? Okay. There you go. See, um, but, but that is actually, you're right about the, the, no other organization gives as much feeds as much, et cetera. And yet that's only 7% of the Catholic population of the world. And so mm-hmm. Matthew Kelly kind of talks about what if it were one more percent? You know, what if we raise that to 10%? How much could we help each other? And uh, so I do think that there is no coincidence that 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 right when you were coming into the church, all of that kind of controversy was taking place because that is the reason why some people walk away from the faith, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that how could this be that priests are doing this? And uh, when that question comes up to me in my own world uh, or, or a friend that is not a believer asks, you know, I say, yeah, it, it is appalling. It is, it is horrific, but we're human beings. We can't mm-hmm. forget that. Right? Um, right, right. So, so that's, that's wonderful to, to see how God has, has used you and continues to use you, Bill. Um, right. Thank you so much for, for sharing so, Maria, that journey. Yes. Since you raised it, one of the one of the most seminal things I heard from somebody during this conversion process was a, a woman uh, shared with me at a actually it was a class cocktail party for our mm-hmm. daughter when she was in high school. Said, you know, if you can talking about what we just said about human beings, you know, her sure. her message to me was if you can separate the purity and the sanctity of the faith from the ways that human beings over centuries have screwed up that faith for human gain. Mm, and again, that's yes. been since the time of Jesus, when he was trying to write the Pharisees and Sadducees wrong about how they'd misinterpreted ancient scripture for human gain. Right. So, so this woman saying this to me, really to be able to, to, to separate what the faith is and how fallible humans mm. with free will and the influence of the evil one continue to muddle that faith for, for mm-hmm. these short-term temporal you know, earthly gains really kind of help the intellectual side of my my process about sure. coming to the Catholic faith to do that. So I just wanted to get that in there. No, that's that's brilliant. And that is so true. Um, just separating the purity and sanctity versus the fallible humanity. Um, right, and that, right. that that exists everywhere you go. You know, I always I, I say from the presidency to uh, medicine, to the world of education, to the world of, of, of the police force and 
any position as a human being is going to succumb to those type of temptations and the whole notion of that, that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is, is weak, um, is, is my reminder always as a, as a, you know, human being. Um, so talking about unvarnished faith, uh, uh, another term that I love of yours and, I love authors. I love human beings in general, Bill, but I love authors because of that, the wordsmith ability, right? The the magic that we can create with words. And I'm kind of a closet writer. Um, and I love your poetry as well, Bill. I was going to say that. I kind of mm. look through a little bit of your, your poetry and... Um, it's just a beautiful thing to use words, right? That's what differentiates us from any other kind, right, of, of beings and that we can talk to each other and that we can come up with words that will resonate with someone. And so the title, Unvarnished Faith, just so beautifully put in those two words. Um, how did you come up with that title? And of course, we'll talk more about the book itself, but just that, the Unvarnished Faith. Mm -hmm. Explain that. Sure. A bit. Yeah, and it, it, I, I can really almost trace it back to one particular moment, and it was on my first uh, mission trip to Nicaragua a few years ago before the pandemic, and um, we had the chance to meet a woman who actually lived in a trash dump. Actually, mm -hmm. lived in a little trash dump. She was the second of three generations oh. of her family living in that trash dump. We met. We saw her mm -hmm. father. We saw her children, and and I talk about it in the book. And but. Sure. Um, you know, uh, living amidst all this unimaginable, just despair and, and, mm. and, 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 you know, things on fire and everything, you know, we asked through our, our translator, you know, how does this make you feel? Mm. And she said, yo estoy contenta. Oh. I'm happy. Wow. And mm. we were literally floored. And so after sort of, you know, metaphorically picking ourselves back up, well, can right. you unpack that for us a little, explain that. And she said, well, I woke up this morning. I didn't know how I was going to feed my children. Mm. I prayed to God and God sent you with food. No. So I'm happy. Oh. And I thought that there is just this, mm. you know, it took me a while to come up with the unvarnished, but there was this right. thing there. It was like this, this transaction of faith and belief mm. and, and, a, and a line of sight that, mm. that was there. That was just, it was as, as plain as the sun is bright. Mm. And, um, and that really stuck with me. And it really, as I sort of came back into my developed world existence and my, mm -hmm. my, my life of great privilege and, and resources and material trappings, which are called trappings for a reason, mm -hmm. I realized all these things that we put on top of our faith and our belief and the things that really matter, our core values and, and love and relationships is all this varnish that builds up. And so mm -hmm. how do we sort of strip that shellac away and get back to the core essence of love and relationships and how we're taught to be, you know, point it towards the good and point it towards dignity and point it towards mm -hmm. human flourishing. And, and uh, you know, that is as short as I can sort of right. respond to uh, what unvarnished faith is for me. So, Oh, it's a beautiful um, title. And of course the book itself, it is the subtitle of it is learning to love with a servant's heart, being a servant, right. As we were saying, um, not, not just in our everyday life, but in marriage, you know, serving each other and, um, and, and just as a little aside, but that I also love how you, the, 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 the words that you said about, you know, that sometimes failure is looked upon as a negative thing, but it can be such a positive thing. And that uh, surrender can be 
looked upon as something negative, but it can be such a positive thing. And so serving, you know, serving each other as husband and wife or me as a woman serving my husband. Sometimes mm-hmm. I've actually gotten my very feminist friends to tell me, oh, yeah, you don't need to serve your husband. What are you talking about? You know, I'm like, no, yes, I do, because he serves me and we serve God. Mm-hmm. And so that servant's heart, um, learning to love with a servant's heart. Tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. No, and it, and it's very appropriate that you use the marriage analogy to introduce it. So, Servants with a Heart is the name of a food ministry that my uh, brother Jeff and his wife Suzanne started several years ago in the Carolinas where they live. And mm-hmm. it's a Christian food ministry where they gather large groups of people at at different faith communities, different uh, you know schools, community organizations, mm-hmm. and they pack tens of thousands of meals, you know, in, in a given session <clears throat> that then gets sent both domestically and internationally to places all over the world. In fact. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. They're able to be supporting some of the food insecurity in the Ukraine right now. But they're rounding out soon on having packed 25 million meals for underserved communities. And it's just it's an amazing, amazing endeavor. And it's called Servants with the Heart. And, um, you know, you spend any time with them and you understand that they really do try and run their lives with a servant's heart. And this is your brother, Bill? Yeah, this is my brother, Jeff, and his wife, Suzanne. Yes. Amazing. in fact, we're we're doing a large event uh, down in the Carolinas next weekend with them, food packing and talking okay. about the book, which which we're really excited for. But um, so they run good. these. Uh, a lot of their food goes to Nicaragua through a okay. relationship they had with a the ministry on the ground down there. And um, so it, what really just came out the more I thought about unvarnished faith, you know, what does mm-hmm. this mean? Well, it's about love and relationships, and ultimately it's about servant leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as somebody who's been in a lot of leadership roles in my life. You know, the ultimate example of servant leadership is Jesus Christ. You know, his entire Mm -hmm. being and his entire existence was to serve others. And it was such a inversion of what the typical power structure was Mm -hmm. and in a lot of ways still is in in a lot of different, you know, corporate environments and other environments today. And the idea of learning, you know, I'm I'm a perpetual student. I abide by the adage Mm -hmm. that the truly educated never graduate. Um, And so how can, you know, this is something you can learn. This is something Mm -hmm. that maybe it's innate. But there are ways to learn to recognize it, to to test it out, mm-hmm. to, to drill those pilot holes that begin to turn into very rich wells and, sure. um, and and go about it. So I really wanted to honor that that organization mm-hmm. and that ethos with the subtitle "Learning to Love with a Servant's Heart." Mm, that's great, beautiful, and God bless your brother and his wife again. Finding that uh, purpose together. Um, all in the name of uh, of God, you know, you being a businessman. Um, I, I I know I well I used to work Bill just to reveal a little bit about um, what I used to do before coming to Bryan Texas was um, I worked in Houston in in the world of news I mean I did that for about twenty mm-hmm. years um, as a meteorologist my background is in meteorology and uh, mm-hmm. and okay. uh, and reporting so um, you know I loved it I absolutely loved it I did it for again a lot a long time but one of the things that I found a little bit difficult was that they asked me to kind of. Um, water down my faith, you know, to, mm-hmm. they couldn't say legally, you know, hide it or not, right, don't talk right. about it. But literally they would be like, oh, you know, you might want to consider wearing that cross. I mean, I've said this before. Mm. And, um, and so that was kind of tough, you know, uh, for me my, personally, as a Catholic, um, cradle Catholic, n- for all that time that I worked in the news, I still would sneak God in there. I would sneak him in <laughs> as much as I could. Right, uh, right, but right. it was tough. So do you find that struggle to be real? Is it a real, you know, or is it just a division? And should it be more a dialogue? So we can kind of segue into division and dialogue. But 
But first, let me know how you deal with that as a leader, as a business owner um, of, of, what is it, over 45,000 people? How, how many employees are there mm-hmm. under mm-hmm. your leadership? Mm-hmm. Um, is it tough to balance that, you know, not not be so forceful with your faith since you, I can imagine, have a lot of different faiths in your community? Sure. Right, right. No, and it's a, it's a really important question. I'm glad you raised it. And um, and it's interesting because, you know, there are there is obviously such a pervasive awareness and sensitivity and sort of the secularization and the plural pluralism of mm-hmm. society these days against, you know, faith based institutions and, and Christianity in particular. Yet, um, you know, how many political speeches are ended with, you know, God bless us or mm-hmm. God bless our nation or, you know, and our, and our, our currency, you know, right. God we trust and and those different kinds of things. But um, you know, for me, uh, I'm, I'm okay with being in different, uh, environments where maybe me being faith forward is not as appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly the, the corporate world and the business world would be one of those areas. Um, sure. but what I, what I appreciate and endeavor for is how am I still able to live my faith and live my, my spiritual values, mm-hmm. even in secular environments or even through secular expression. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, for example, I mentioned servant leadership, you know, that I can point to a lot of different ways about my leadership style, which are about serving the people that, that I work with. Um, you know, the idea about, um, you know, dignity, you know, to okay. me, dignity is one of my core values. I think it's a central message from the gospel. Um, you know, there's dignity in work, there's mm-hmm. dignity in helping people find work, helping grow in their careers, which goes beyond them putting food on the table and roofs, roofs mm-hmm. over heads and clothes on bodies. So um, to me, it's both a spiritual and sort of an intellectual exercise to sure. to how do I express my faith in, in secular environments? And, and quite honestly, the model for that also, I go back to Jesus, you know, that, that right. during his earthly ministry, <clears throat> very little of his, his work and his ministry was actually done in in temple and synagogue. Most of it was mm-hmm. done out in the community, on the beach, on the boat, in mm-hmm. houses, using the vernacular, right. speaking to people in plain speak. And, and, but it was always, and all the parables, but mm-hmm. always fueled by these really deep, profound spiritual values. So, you know, that's yet another mm-hmm. example of how I try to, to model my life and do that in that way. So, sure. Be an and, example. and by the way, I'll also say, yeah, I'll mm-hmm. also say, you know, that it speaks to evangelization and, um, and this maybe starts to bleed into the division thing that, you know, we're all called to evangelize. I certainly right. understand that from the great commissioning. The, the, the challenge I have with me trying to evangelize with words, and we know mm-hmm. the expression, you know, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. Sure. But my evangelizing by using words is, is in some ways, I like to use the thing about, well, what I'm really doing is telling somebody how they've been doing their life wrong. Oh. And, and nobody kind of likes to be told how they're doing their yes. life wrong. So I, I'm in a, in a place now where the way I evangelize my faith is by the witness of my life. Mm. So I, I'm, I'm best, I, I can most effectively evangelize, not by what I say, but mm-hmm. what I do, how I act, how I treat other people, mm-hmm. how I react to, to things that happen to me, particularly adversity. And I'm so much still a work in sure. progress in those things. And anybody in my life can tell you that very quickly. <laughs> but, but to me that, that, you know, again, is just another facet of that is evangelizing by the witness of our lives, as opposed to the, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the cuteness of our words, if you will. Yes. So. I mean, you you kind of have both, though. You have the amazing talent of your words and then your witness and, and example. So, um, you know, God bless you for that, uh, Bill. I know that, again, talking real quick about our kids. We have about 10 minutes, um, but I think we can talk about our kids and then division and dialogue. OK, because that's okay. that's going to uh, lead into like the what society and social media and 
and selfies and all of that maybe. But how old are your kids real quick? I think they're, they're older, right? Um, 23, 21, 17. So one out of college, one in college, one in high school. Okay. And so did they grow up with phones? I mean, uh, I think that they did, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. so. And, and I suspect probably as, as they, as the, as we move, you know, each one probably got one a year or two yes, younger than the earlier. one before did, but yes. Yeah. I mean, that's yes. happened to me. You know, my husband and I are kind of older parents, you know, by God's grace. Um, and, uh, uh, I have an eight year old, a 12 year old and a 15 year old. So I am oh, deep nice. in the thick of like, yes. no yes. screen time, no more. That's it. The, right. you know, like the consequences right. are always no screen time and just really teaching them how to maneuver and manipulate this world of, um, social media. So, There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived Mm -hmm. to division and dialogue because I do think it's so important. And selfishly, since I'm talking to you, I'm going to also ask you questions that I need help with. And that Mm -hmm. is that is one of them. Right. It's um, this is what you have on your website uh, that I absolutely love. It says selfies, filters, touch ups, makeovers. Society has devolved. Is, I, I, I scratched over that uh, into a digital age of augmented perfection and conjured division. Ah, so, so much meat in that, right? Um, talk to me a little bit about just that. Sure. No, and, and thank you for bringing that up. So, so I'll start with the premise as a person of faith that I do believe that we were all created in God's image and, and, and we were all created for good. We were all created to be vehicles of love. We were all created to be in relationship with each other, as I said earlier, sort of pointing towards mm-hmm. the common good. And um, as things like social media, like media extremists and pundits, and even mm-hmm. career politicians, and, and God bless all of our, our public servants of any any uh, variety. I have so much gratitude sure. for what they do. But but our, our our form of government in the United States was not intended to be career politicians. It was spent, mm-hmm. meant to be citizen governors yes. where we sort of rotate different things. But when you combine career politicians with media extremists and the, and the mm-hmm. digital age, you know, the digi- digital literally means zero or one. It's binary, <laughs> yes or no, black or white, right or wrong. And then social media, first of all, it's facelessness, but secondly, the, the literal algorithms that, mm. that prey on the extreme, sort of the extremes of our belief systems and our ethos and our personhood, all these things contribute to taking our eye and our mind and our heart mm. away from the vast commonality that we, that we uh, share as human beings, mm. our, our fears and our aspirations and our hopes and our concerns and our insecurities and our wants, mm. you know, that, that, that. They may actually, we, we all have those things and we all feel them deeply and viscerally and we can connect across so many facets of mm-hmm. identity when those things come up. But the, the things that we are constantly bombarded with, and it's been an insidious process and insidious mm-hmm. is something that's harmful and gradual. It's, it's insidiously happened to us and mm-hmm. now we unknowingly contribute into those things. Sure. So one of the things that I've really started you know, talking, in fact, I've given a couple, you know, facilitator, given a couple of talks recently in different Catholic communities up here in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. has been about, you know, I, I don't know, I'm not nearly smart enough to know how to cure these ills of division in society. Mm-hmm. But I remember what the 2016 election cycle was like and the 2020 right. election cycle is work. And here we come mm-hmm. in 24 again. And I do believe to my core that dialogue is going to point us towards the good. And if we can, as a society, as whether it's a church community, an interfaith community, or, or mm-hmm. society at large, if we can reclaim that lost art of civil discourse and reclaim that ability to disagree with yes. others without dis- without becoming disagreeable, mm-hmm. I just I, I believe to my core that'll that'll improve our situation and our dynamics. 
I, I agree uh, profoundly with that. And that is what I, you know, I think that uh, our kids are just not um, used to debating, like a healthy debate. What mm-hmm. happened to that? You have to tiptoe around so many topics and you have to be cautious to not offend so many people. And, mm-hmm. and, and so therefore, sometimes you just, you just shut, don't talk and you're just on your phone and you just are scrolling and it's easier to be, you know, a warrior on at the digital medium than to actually speak to a human being. So how, how, how do you, again, having kids that are a little bit older than mine or much older than mine, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, but to all parents, what words, um, of just if you call it advice or just uh, uh, just inspiration about the healthy use of our phones. And I know that that, that right, maybe doesn't have right. to do a lot with your book, but it kind of does Yeah, because does. in no, a way, you know, it, it's, it's watering down our faith. It's, it's taking the place of the Bible. It's taking the place of, right. of, of conversation and dialogue. So what would you say right, to right. parents out there about that? Yeah. And, and, and the first thing I'm very clear to say whenever these kind of topics come up, I, I, I do not believe that anybody should give somebody advice how to parent. But, but right. what I do is kind of share some things that Kelly and I have done and that I, yes. I believe. But it's not I don't want to ever couch it as you should do this or that. Right. You know, that 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 I mean, phones and, and you know, the technology are amazing. The things they do, the way they connect us, you know, social media for the good can certainly be amazing in terms of keeping friend groups connected and those kind of things. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, a few things come to mind. You know, number one, we, we try and again, admit it, we don't always do a, a perfect job with it. But mm-hmm. when we're at the table, when we're enjoying a meal, we, we you know, it's, it's mostly a no phone situation, you know, particularly when the kids were younger. Sure. Uh, you know, that's kind of a, a table stake for a lot of people. Even in restaurants. Um, is that even in restaurants yes. when you're out, yes. right? Yeah. And yes. even yes. why not in restaurants? But well, well there's nothing to more put sad that than to look over at the next booth and see a family with foreheads buried in their phones. Right. But how often phones, do we so. see that? That's why I'm yes. saying it that it's more and yes. more, Bill. And right. I, my my kids have the statement, that "You're a Karen, Mom." You know the Karen. Have you heard about right. the Karen? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That it's right. like, right. oh, don't say anything, and just. And I'm like, no, no phones at the table. Okay, what else? Yeah. So. Um, and then the other thing that we do at our at our dinner table, which which we love, is is when we sit down, we kind of we, we do FPOD. Okay. And so favorite part of the day. Okay. So you know what what was your favorite part of the day today? And and you know particularly when people are at school or at work and doing different kind of things, you know the nights that we have a chance to gather, mm-hmm. um, you know we all go around and we kind of like okay no, no repeats you know yeah. kind of thing if if somebody already cleaned that. And it's just a nice way to connect. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by the way, the other thing, even this is even more tactical, is we found our quality of conversation when we're sitting around the breakfast table okay. is significantly better than we're all lined up at the at the bar in the kitchen or the counter in the kitchen. Okay. When we're actually in a circle looking yeah. at each other as opposed to all four or five of us staring at the appliances. Sure. Okay. So that makes sense. One, but, 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 but it's too. It's to the a point where like if we can turn a if we can turn a a, a, a stool to the side. Yes. And then the last thing I'll say, and this one is sort of the, the gulp factor for me. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody told me once that you know if you really want to teach your parents how to be a good spouse, you need to show them how much you love your wife. Mm, amen. And, and it's the expression that with parenting more is caught than is taught. Yes. And and so you know I I I, I hope and I pray that. You know, despite the uh, the egregious shortcomings I've had in showing my kids how much I love and honor Kelly, that, <laughs> that the body of work will will supersede that, and they'll understand you know what what devotion and as you said, service looks like. So, Amen. Listen, and and it's not a coincidence. Jesus sat at a table, right? 
Um, so sitting at a table, mm-hmm. not at a, not on the sofa, not, you know, on the bar like island, right? right but right. at a table. So we here, you can't, the people in the audience can't see, but we here at a table, which is blurred out now, Bill, but yes, come to the table. Um, and I have to give a plug to our school in the two minutes that we have left because come to the table, actually, and I didn't plan this, but look, the the, the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. uh, Bill, come yeah. to the table is our new annual fund um, at St. Joseph Catholic School. We've never had an annual fund. And as development director um, and the committee that we've had, it's been tremendously just heartwarming to see the the support of the community in, uh, in starting out this annual fund, which is called Come to the Table. So isn't that beautiful how it's kind of all mm, been wrapped up yeah. right now with the importance of, yes, let's come to the table. Let's not spend time on our phones and, and on social media and on video games and whatever else is taking us away from, from God, from each other, from connection and from dialogue. I've, I'm going to frame my notes, Bill. I'm going to frame them. This has been extremely beautiful. And I I truly thank you for your time. Um, So now you get a plug. How can people get your book, Unvarnished Faith? Sure. No, thank you. And um, so uh, it's a, it's available on Amazon. I'm very proud it's the number one bestseller in multiple Ooh, categories. Um, amazing. And you can go to unvarnished, unvarnishedfaith.com. Um, if you want to go there, there's the link to the book there. There's sure. some of the things that you've referenced today, some of my other writings and poetry, links to my, my prior book, and also my newsletter. So you have a chance. Right. I, I periodically put out different musings or different excerpts or you know, different events that I'm doing, whether they're local okay. or, or you know more in this kind of medium. So uh, unvarnishedfaith.com would be the best place to go. Fabulous. Okay, stay stay right there where you are, Bill. Don't hang up. I'm going to say goodbye to our amazing audience listening us to, uh, to us today. We'll talk to you, Bill, in just a minute. But you've been listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember that you can uh, check out this entire uh, podcast online if you missed it. Uh, remember also, when choosing values of heaven or earth, Remember to always round up. I'm your host, Maria Sotolongo, on behalf of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.